0: And welcome back, everyone, to yet another edition of Going for Two, presented by our good friends at Home Field Apparel. I'm Matt Brown, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. I'm joined here by my colleague, Brian Fisher, and we are thrilled to talk about my neck of the woods. We're here to talk about the Big Ten, which means we finally get to talk about, I think, the most important program in college athletics, near and dear to my heart, that we just don't talk nearly enough. Uh, and that will be the Ohio State Buckeyes. Although I think over the course of this conversation that might become a little bit less clear, right?
1: I, I was thinking you were going to say the State University of, of New Jersey there, uh, or something <laughs> like that. I mean, the, you know, you can go a different number of different directions here, but you know, it is fun yeah. to speak about the Big Ten on the field right now, especially because all the discussion right now in, in college athletics, really anybody you talk to, whether they're inside the Big Ten or not, ha- has been about that Big Ten TV deal. But uh, I think we will leave that for uh, another episode. But it is going to be good to focus on the Big Ten because I think not only are they going to get a a lot of press because of that this season but a lot of intriguing teams not just ohio state in terms of making the college football playoff but like you know there's michigan state out there there's there's up-and-comers that uh, you know could surprise like minnesota or purdue so like I, I do feel like it is a very interesting conference going into the season and that's not even getting into hot seats like like scott frost is at nebraska
0: yeah this is not the show where we're going to talk uh for 25 minutes about the tv deal um by the time this publishes actually You'll probably, get, you'll probably get a newsletter about that next week, right? I'm, I'm still kind of final, finalizing that. There's gonna be a little bit of talk about existential expansion stuff just because that's completely unavoidable, but this is mostly about the on-field product. If you are like me and have not been paying attention to rosters or who is supposed to be good or how they're supposed to be good, this may be helpful for that. In order to do it, rather than just listening to me waps rhapsodic here for 45 minutes, we're going to bring on somebody else who is a more of a serious professional on the roster side, uh, my friend and quasi-neighbor here in Chicago, uh, Nicole Arbach of the Big Ten Network and of The Athletic and of the Satellite Radio and of like six other things right now, um, to talk to us a little bit more about our nation's most important athletic conference. Um, why don't we start? With, with with this Nicole, uh, it's it's we, we, we probably have a pretty good idea about who the best football team is going to be. It's one of probably one of two teams, and we have a maybe a decent idea about who the worst team might be. We're not pulling from a big pool there. What, in your opinion, is the most interesting team? The, you know, whether that is the an eight and five team that becomes an internet darling, somebody that's going to be playing aggressively against type. What are you who are you intellectually interested in watching this year or paying attention to?
2: Well, so I'm interested in when you say one of two, who the second team is that you're talking about, because I felt like it was at Big Ten media days. It was all Ohio State or bust like it was such a clear separation in the way that people were talking about the teams at the top of the Big Ten that it was probably pretty similar to like sec media that is where everyone was like, who's the third best team in the sec, right? Like that was the question. And it feels like everyone is kind of saying Ohio state is a little bit going to be death star Ohio state again. Like everyone's expecting that type of skill, talent, scoring, explosiveness, I think based on the Rose Bowl coming out of that, with the, the younger players that broke out with CJ Stroud, it just doesn't really feel like Michigan is the team that is coming off the Big Ten championship and coming off of the win in that rivalry. I think Michigan's going to be good, but you've had turnover at the coordinator positions. You had Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL. So it just feels like it's Ohio State. I think we want to see Jim Knowles. We want to see the defense, but that really feels like the clear cut favorite in the conference. The West feels very wide open. You said, you, you know, who am I most interested in? I'm interested in Minnesota and Purdue Hmm. because it feels like the schedules are set up for breakthrough seasons for both of them. And you have Tanner Morgan back with the offensive coordinator where he had his most success of his career at Minnesota and then at Purdue, you're coming off of the best season that they've had under Jeff Brom. So what's next? You know, and and the way that their crossovers fall, the way that the schedule is set up, it just feels like this could be the stars aligning for either of these programs. Even though I don't think anyone would say they are the favorite in the West, the West feels very open. And I just think it's really interesting when we get to see programs break through some sort of ceilings that we haven't seen them break through in a long time
0: uh, that that makes a ton of sense I want I'll get to that let's address the first point though because I, everything that you just said makes intellectual sense to me and I don't know if I'm like secretly trying to reverse Bucknut's post on the internet or something. But, like, I can look at Ohio State's roster and think, boy, they returned a lot of offensive production, and the players that they... Yeah, they lose two first-round wide receivers, but you're replacing them with two other five-star guys. You should be able to score lots of points. But that defense last year wasn't, like, bad for Ohio State. It was kind of bad, bad. And...
2: It, it was, but... Okay, so, so I saw the two really bad performances in person last year. Mm -hmm, You did. And I remember being at the Oregon game and just thinking, okay, this is weird because we know that Ohio state always has good athletes. So why do they look so slow? Why do they constantly look like they're responding slowly or in the wrong position Or like trying to catch up and Oregon's in space. And also Oregon just keeps doing the same thing over and over. And they're still not doing it. Yes, same play. So there were a lot of very concerning pieces with that. And then to lose to Michigan in a game where Michigan just did whatever they wanted and was able to bully Ohio State at the line of scrimmage. Like all of these things that Ohio State typically had been doing to Michigan. Super jarring. Absolutely. Super jarring. And, you know, when you talk to anyone, you talk to any former player in the Big Ten who's played there in recent years. You know, I was talking to Jake Butt on on Sirius XM the other day and he brought this point up and, and it's the obvious one, right? That there's no Chase Young, there's no Bosa, there's no game wrecker, pass rusher. And so that was a huge problem for them. I just think if anyone's watched, if anyone watched Oklahoma state last year, like, I don't even think you need to do like a deep, deep dive into film or anything. It's just, if you watched Oklahoma state's defense last year, you know, that they were tough. You knew that that was the strength of the team. You knew that all of the jokes about big 12 defenses didn't apply. I mean, that was why they were so close to, to winning the big 12 and, and having a very interesting case for the playoff. So I, I think there's just a lot of belief that with talent like with athletes which obviously Ohio State has that they can fix some of these things and and shore it up. And I think the expectation too is that with an offense like they're going to have, they're going to put up a lot of points. So it it gives you a margin for error in in some of these in a lot of these games, let's be real, like most of Ohio State's games. You know, they just have to outscore the other team. And so I I think that's where a lot of the confidence is coming and the expectation that Michigan lost a lot. They lost their game record pass rush, both of them, um, and so I think that, that it's some of that too that the people just think Michigan is going to take a step back.
0: When I, I I I will I will say this, and then Brian, I'll I'll stop interrupting you. I I was just thinking I should give at least Michigan the benefit of the doubt as the returning conference champion, the team that did make the playoff. I pro- I I think Ohio State's better on paper, but if somebody wanted to come in here and say. I don't think we should anoint this team yet. Believe in what happened last year, I would I would not I would not argue. I don't know if there's I can't think of anybody that I would say no the second best team's probably Wisconsin or Penn State. I don't I'm not ready to say that. Uh, am I being crazy here, Brian?
1: Well, isn't that what 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 is weird uh, about this whole situation? Is you do have Michigan coming off that that almost cathartic Big Ten title, making the college football playoff, but it's like a, such a strange offseason. You had Jim Harbaugh, flirt, you know, flirting with the NFL pretty publicly. Uh, you know, recruiting did not kind of go the expected way in terms of getting that bump that you would think they they would have got. They lost a lot of that that talent, as you mentioned. I mean, there's there's been more. I feel like there's been more focus on on hard knocks and and, and you know Hutchinson at, at, at the Lions right now than there is on Michigan football it just seems like it, it, it's a weird place for the program
2: hey brian brian first of all first of all was that not an adorable <laughs> clip it was a great clip i enjoyed it i don't even watch hard knocks but i saw that clip immediately and it I was it, it, it was times.
0: pretty great i don't even like the nfl and it, it made me laugh
1: you got to give hope to the lions fans somehow right but uh, you know it just it is such a strange kind of you you would think there would be a mass of you know euphoria and everybody would be like excited about the the coming season and it doesn't seem like that's the case around ann arbor
2: So, so here, here's part of that. I think absolutely the Harbaugh stuff, the, the coordinator changes, losing, you know, these types of players to the NFL, but I'll, I'll also say it's the way that they ended the season. I I think like you could see, okay, you, you did all these things. You broke through, you won a big 10 title. You know, it was a cathartic. That was a, a word I used. I was in Ann Arbor for that game and the win and the way that the, like the stadium kind of heaved at the end, it was cathartic, but then you go and you lose to Georgia in such a way that you realize, wow, there is still a major gap in between doing what Michigan just did and accomplishing all these things and actually winning in the college football playoff. And knowing that Ohio state is just went out and got one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. They're going to fix that bit. And they have the talent to have won in the playoff. They have done that before they have, they have won it all in this era and their roster feels more built for that than Michigan's. So it's a very strange thing where there really isn't that carryover. There isn't that like the bullseye does not stay on Michigan's back coming out of that offseason. but it's absolutely true. And, and again, big 10 media day was really weird because of that, because you would have expected it to be more about, oh, shift in the rivalry, you know, all of these other things. And it just isn't that way because now I think we're back to the expectation that Ohio State is going to beat Michigan and then Ohio State is going to be winning the Big Ten and being the playoff contender. And again, you know, until we're proven otherwise, if there's still defensive issues, I just think that's going to be the narrative heading into the season and, and into the big games for Ohio State.
0: Do you think that the fact that Ohio State's beat might be the single largest in the country, uh, play, plays plays a role in that. And I'm, not, I'm not insinuating yes. anybody's Homer uh, Homer here, although I am a little bit. But I mean, if half the people at Big Ten Media Days are out of Columbus, maybe that's going to be the narrative.
2: I, I think that's fair, but I, but I also would think that it's something based on the track record in the playoff era. I I, I just it's think like fair. last year, like okay, so let's talk about Alabama last year. I was positing even during the national championship game that if Alabama had won a national title last year it would have been demoralizing for all of college football because that wasn't even an a or a plus Alabama team yeah so I think that there's just certain programs where you just the 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 floor is, higher than other programs and then the ceiling is right at the top right and so I just think you know you had to catch Ohio State when you did last year the way that they built it the way that they won the game but I don't think it necessarily means and our friend Ari Wasserman who loves to have these arguments we've he's been arguing for a couple weeks now that you know okay well what is success for Michigan is it beating Ohio State three times out of 10 in the next 10 years right like it still didn't flip the way that the programs are built and the way that they're set up right now for national championship chances.
0: That's a, a, a fair point. The, the Perhaps the pathway for national championship future, of course, is now changed a little bit. Now what the Big Ten is going to have 16 teams and have two teams from Los Angeles where one of them presumably will be recruiting at a high level every year. We, we don't we, both, uh, we don't know, but one of them probably should be. I've talked about this a lot. I mean, maybe to Brian's chagrin, about how I feel emotionally about these changes. You are a Big Ten graduate. You are a daughter of Big Ten country, um, grandfathered in, so to speak.
2: I, I mean, I was going to say New Jersey, obviously. New Jersey, the, of course, yeah, the
0: part of New An, New ancestral New heartland, Ten Ten. heartland of the of, yeah, of, the of, of college football. Yeah, I mean,
2: you, I've been arguing Media Days Jersey Shore. I don't know why everyone's talking about Los Angeles. I mean, let's bring it to the shore, but, right? Yes, go yeah. on.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what do you, what do you not serious professional analyst, but like in your heart? What do you think about this? Do you, are, are you, are you excited about it? Is there, are you, do you feel like uh, there's something that's, that is, is lost from this or uh, do you, can you look at this maybe with less no, nostalgia tinned glasses than, than I do growing up in cornfield country?
2: Well, based on our previous conversation, obviously I went to Ohio state because so complimentary <laughs> of the Buckeyes. I think that that's right. Very obvious. People forget that. Um, people, people forget that. Um, but so, you know, it's, I got this question in a mailbag a couple of weeks ago about like how do sports writers feel about this all and the consolidation of college football. And it was interesting because like, it's a fascinating thing to cover. You guys both cover the business of college sports. So it's like, okay, wow. You know, we're covering this like seismic shift in so many areas. There's just these off seasons have been just so important. There's been a million things happening. It's very, it it's very, like I, I honestly like feel that it's an honor to cover this era of college sports and to try to document what is happening. Like, I, I love the phrase, you know, that journalism is the first draft of history, right? Like I, I, I take that to heart and I think it's a fascinating time to be doing our jobs, but it is not why a lot of people love college football and a lot of the things that people get into as a fan, including ourselves um, including everyone we're writing for or talking to in a podcast is losing rivalries is losing some of those regional, the regionalization of college sports. Um, and that is definitely a challenge. And so like, you know, you're chasing news, chasing news. And then you, you sit back for a second and you're like, is this good for college football? Is this good for uh, the thing that, that I love that like is the reason I went into sports journalism and not other things. And I don't have the same, attachment to college sports that probably a lot of our peers do because I did grow up in a pro sports area. And so college sports became important to me in college. So it wasn't like I have memories of watching Michigan, um, in 98 or, you know, like I don't have these, these memories that some of our peers and, and you guys do, where it was ingrained in your childhood, or if I grew up in the the state of Michigan, I'm sure I would also feel differently, right? Like there are just certain things. And so I think I've been able to separate that when I've covered it because I love covering college football. I love the energy. It's so different than pro sports, but it also, I think allows me to, to step back and, and not you know, be, be too emotional about it and not emotional in a bad way, but just like thinking back about the importance of this on my life. I think if I had fallen in love with Michigan and grown up in Ann Arbor or wherever, and I'd been, you know, my bedroom was decked out since I was five and I was upset and thought it was going to be weird that like USC would be a conference game or that the Rose bowl was devalued that would feel different. That would feel different. And so I feel for all of the fans who feel that way about these changes. And it is strange to think that UCLA Rutgers is a conference game and that LA and New York and the shore are in the big 10 footprint. But I just think we're going to have to continue to get used to these things that obviously point to the professionalization of college sports. And so conferences that are more, that, that feel more like pro sports divisions and leagues that are, these are scheduling things, not, you know, a, a hundred years of history and weird trophies that people are playing for, because like, again, UCLA and Rutgers probably are not going to be playing for like a, a kind of, Gross old brown jug, which, which we love. All the weird trophies, right? I mean, hopefully, again, we did get the Civil Conflict trophy. Like crossing it my is. fingers that someone makes up something weird for some of these new ones. But it's so so like, you know, I, I I totally get it, but I also just see that all of the all of these things are pointing towards, you know, a, a world where that's in the past, and there's just going to be more and more decisions that maybe make things feel more impersonal or more big business and, and not as folksy as college sports used to be. So I don't know, I, I I guess like I I think about it and I, I, I think that a lot of the fans that I know who love Michigan or who love schools in the big 10 are happy that the big 10 is positioned well and financially secure so that, Whatever happens with college sports, they will have a seat at the table, they will be able to drive it, they'll be able to control what happens to themselves. But I think they are sad that they are losing some of those traditional things. I think people are sad again about like the Rose Bowl not being it's it's not gonna be the same. Um I, you know, I, I think like the idea of playing at the Rose Bowl for a regular season game is gonna be weird. Like the idea of college game day. Like, not coming to Ann Arbor or Columbus as much, probably. Like, that stuff is gonna, that stuff is real to fans. And so I think it's like people are torn because it, now more than ever, you wanna be secure financially and you wanna be able to be an aggressor. Like, you get to be the one that people are talking about. Are they gonna add further? Are they gonna add more schools instead of, like being left behind in any ways, but I do think you have a lot of sadness that people are also holding at the same time.
0: You definitely want to be in the position, I guess, where you're emotionally connected to somebody who is being the aggressor, rather than somebody who you know, is has lost control and is at the whims of other people acting upon you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get it too. I think anybody, honestly, that's in this business that grew up in historical Big Ten country I think anybody that is a reporter for long enough, your attachment to those teams and that culture has to change because you see them in a professional light, even if you're still, you know, identify as a fan. I I have no idea how anybody could do this work and like still feel about Ohio State the same way that they did in 2002. That's unless maybe if you're just running an Ohio State fan site, it's a different world.
2: It it is. And I I think that like as a good parallel or something that illustrates this is the way that people have covered NIL players maybe being able to make money. Like I-, I think back or sometimes reread old stories that people wrote in like 2008 about NCAA violations that were like an extra phone call or, you know, like whatever they didn't like f- you know, file something correctly and people are acting like it's the end of the world. So I-, I also think that like the shift in the way that, you know, people who've grown up on this and have kind of evolved their own thinking about some of this stuff because it is reality because a lot of this stuff has changed he's a good illustrator of that because even if like you just, you couldn't, you couldn't even feel the same way about Ohio state or like the NCAA that you did in what year was tattoo gate? Was that, Oh, that was
0: 2011,
2: 11 or 12.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Before I started doing this full time.
2: You can't even feel that way about either of those entities about Ohio state or the NCAA, as you did exactly 10 years ago and do these jobs.
1: Well, and the flip side too is that uh, you know Purdue fans can pay their coach five million dollars a year. You know, yeah. You have, I mean, one of the off-season storylines was was Michigan State being able to keep their head coach away from schools like like LSU and and offer. I mean, Mel Tucker is one of the highest-paid coaches you know in, in the country right now. It does seem strange to think about that, but to kind of pull the conversation away from your alma maters just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, you know, who else is 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 interesting? You know, besides Ohio State and Michigan this year, and and who else can maybe uh, contend? Is, is Penn State going to get back into the thick of things um, after? James Franklin's biggest extension I I mean what how how is the rest of the conference race in in your minds gonna gonna shake out yeah
2: I feel like with Penn State I'm in wait and see mode like it's it's like you got to prove it to me mode I I just I I feel like every time we talk ourselves into them contending they play Ohio State and they're just like the gap is still there and that's the story Um, I'm not necessarily sold on on Sean Clifford being one of the best quarterbacks in the league I, I just think You know, I think it goes maybe C.J. Stroud to Aiden O'Connell to then, you know, is is it Cade McNamara slash like Tanner Morgan? You know, like I kind of think maybe that's the order I would go in the quarterbacks in this conference. It's been disappointing that Penn State has not had a reliable run game in years. Like, that's so weird. I don't understand how that's been the case. So I I just feel like they've got to replace a lot. Um, So they're they're in wait and see mode for sure. Uh, I think. You know, I, not in the not in the race for for the Big Ten, but I I do think there's going to be like significant improvement at Maryland. I, I think that that is yeah. a team that maybe people aren't talking about enough. I think offensively they're going to be pretty good. Um, I I actually think Rutgers is trending in the right direction. There there's excitement there. I mean those, I always feel for programs like that. Um, or in, in the SEC West where. Based on your schedule, you just you, you know you have to take a lot of losses, and you have to make sure that some of the ones that may be lopsided like don't derail a season. You have to also say like, maybe you can knock one of them off, and then you know like a fourth place finish in the East would be the most successful season, right? Like that that just kind of sucks, but that is how you operate, and so I, I like I think those I, I just. I I get tired of talking about the Michigan and Ohio states of the world, and so I do love when it's programs like that that break through and reach a bowl game, or you know, reach like a good bowl game, or or do things that are that are new and exciting to those fan bases. Um, you know, my guy Adam Corsack, the Rutgers punter. I they brought a punter to media days. How do you not love that? And he's Australian, loves to golf, just good dude. Um, So I just, I I like spending time on, on stories like that. I mean, I think Michigan state is going to be a fascinating story this season. How do you come off of and handle the success that they did last year? I mean, one of the things I was asking Mel Tucker about in Indianapolis was, okay, so you nailed the portal. It completely worked exactly how anyone would hope it would work with Kenneth Walker retake someone who was fine at their position, but becomes a Heisman trophy contender. And you miss, you, you also hit on a lot of other spots, a lot of other starters, and they're, and they're going to do that again, but how do you, okay. So, so then what do you do? How do you like, is there pressure to do that every single year? Because the portal's not going away. What do you do when everything kind of went right for you last year? You know, like they, they probably shouldn't have beat Michigan. They beat Michigan. Um, all these things, they're, they're ahead of schedule. They're winning more games than they should beat Miami. You do all these things. What do you do next? What do you do after that monster contract? I I just think that is a really fascinating question, especially as Mel Tucker is trying to do from a strength and conditioning and recruiting standpoint, like it's an SEC program in the North. I mean, that's just it's just really interesting. Um, you know, I'm interested to see can Graham Mertz actually take a step forward as a passer? Like that would be huge for Wisconsin to actually have a passing game, like that one the game first time Illinois, in. Illinois. Like-
0: 12 years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The the game against Illinois that like got us all sold on Graham Mertz. Right. It turns out Illinois wasn't very good. Right. Like it. So, you know, like Braylon Allen's going to be great, but you know, what will help him having a quarterback who throw the ball and do it reliably. Like that's interesting. Um, you know, Iowa like defensively, they're going to be great. I watched a lot. We all watched a lot of Iowa last year. Can they move the ball forward offensively? Like these are interesting questions. These are programs that have like such clear identities. And I feel like with some of them, we have the same questions year in and year out, but they're really like the thing that defines what is a successful season for those teams. And like I said, I mean, just fundamentally can Purdue or Minnesota get to the big 10 title game? Like they're going to have to obviously change all the schedules. Um, you know, divisions who knows how, I don't know how, you know, pods, whatever, whatever these teams are going to do. But, you know, we're, we're clearly in, in the end times of whatever this the East and West are right now and, and the possibility, right, of a Purdue or Minnesota, like, coming out of that to play Ohio State or whoever in the Big Ten title game. Like, can they do it? Can they do it? I, I just, and then oh i forgot you know nebraska that's that's
0: what i wanted to talk to you about speaking of hey having the same questions every single time and these these kind of existential things right how
2: did it take me this long to bring up nebraska i, I feel I, like they, i get asked about them on like every radio interview like nationally they're one of the yeah best
0: well i mean they are and i say this not, not to tweak on nebraska fans which i've enjoyed doing on on the internet but like in, fundamentally it's a fascinating question because if you look at the per play you know stats for nebraska they haven't been a garbage team the past couple of years. They've missed a bunch of bowl games, and this schedule they still got to play Oklahoma. They got to play at Michigan. They have they to
2: played Oklahoma well last year.
0: They played Oklahoma. They played most teams well. They played Ohio State well for like three yeah. quarters, and nothing. Watching them, especially during the first seventy five percent of a game, would make you think it's a five and seventeen. And when you watch the fourth quarter, and like if a football team could lose off of like an infield fly rule. That was kind of what Nebraska was. I think, I think in a breakthrough, you have to think eventually there has to be some kind of regression. You can't lose in this kind of stupid way with this kind of talent this often. Right.
2: Well, and again, we all said this and it didn't really mean to be an insult, but they were the best three and nine team in the country last year. Like yeah. they found ways to lose. So they're actually one of my good examples of this where like, I accept coach speak. Cause typically I don't, I yeah. think that it's all cliches and dumb, but I've talked to enough coaches who have actually straight up explained the difference between like, like what it means to learn how to win that I fully believe that that's exactly what was happening, right? Like that team did not know how to win close games. So they blew them all the time. Like there were dumb mistakes, penalties, special teams issues. Like those are things that you should not be losing games off of. And they could not, they did not know how to win those games. So yes, you've got to think that that's going to pay off in some ways. This was a situation where Nebraska is clearly setting everything up where if it doesn't work, it's on Scott Frost. They let him replace a bunch of people on his staff, but keep his job. He's bringing in a new quarterback. So if you wanted to say that that some of their problems or a lot of their problems were because Adrian Martinez was inconsistent or turned the ball over, fine. Well, now you've got Casey Thompson. You've got a new offensive coordinator who just, by the way, Kenny Pickett just broke all of these Dan Marino records and was a Heisman Trophy finalist with this offensive coordinator.
0: This guy helped UMass win like five games. Like Whipple clearly knows how to coach football. 10
2: 10 games anywhere else or maybe 11. But it's like all of the excuses or all of the reasons, depending on how you want to explain that, will be gone. Like all of those things should be addressed. All those things should be better. And I think that's really interesting. Obviously, Scott Frost's buyout changes as well. but. How do you take again, like a good core, a group that should have been like a bowl team last year? I think that's a fair thing to say, even though they only won three games. Yeah and turn it around. And also what is the minimum? Like what is the amount of wins that, you know save Scott Frost's job? I mean, it's obviously bowl eligibility, but I don't know. I don't know what that number is.
0: Oh, that, I mean, that's a good question. I don't. I don't know if, if they limp six and six and end up playing Central Michigan in the Little Caesars Bowl. Um, I don't. Do, do, do people suddenly start feeling
2: better about them? Like, do- yeah, I guess. I guess it depends. It depends who they who they lose to and how. Because I, I think what's been the bigger problem with Nebraska is they're not beating teams that they should beat, and if they do that. I think that's actually a huge step forward for them. Like, I, I think it, it depends how they play. Like, it, again, another cliche, when you talk to athletic directors about like when they can tell that a team has quit playing for their mm-hmm. coach, that is also real. That sounds cliche, but also a real thing. So again, I think it's like how they play and 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 how hard they're playing and who they take care of business again. Like, it's just going to be a very interesting season, I think, for them. But, you know, I've been talking about it with my colleague at The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, who covers them. And it he he's basically just kind of walked me through all of the different investments and support that Nebraska has provided to say, you know, in addition to giving him the longest leash than anyone else would ever have gotten, to say, like, sink or swim. This is on you. Like, this is what he is being set up for. Um, so, yeah. So I'm very interested, especially the quarterback and the offense position, you know, just sort of like what it looks like. And uh, also they have a special teams coach. I think that's a great decision based on what happened last season. So, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to see, and, and they play week zero. We get a good glimpse of them in a conference game early. So, you know, we'll probably have a pretty good sense of them more so than anyone else, you know, by mid-September.
0: A conference game in Ireland, um, if if I, if I remember correctly, like a a completely, you know, random thing. Let me, let me ask you this here, because before, I know you need to, you need to, you need to bounce here in a little bit. we talked a lot here about teams and teams playing against type, teams facing the same kind of questions they always have. It's, on paper, it doesn't look, doesn't look dramatically different than what you might expect. Who individually are you excited to watch? You know, there, there, there's probably people here. You, you mentioned Purdue's quarterback for a, a, yep. a second ago that maybe a non-Midwestern audience may not be familiar with. Who is, who is fun? Who are we going to be yelling about at noon on a
1: Saturday?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, interesting question because I was just thinking immediately about the Big Ten not moving forward on ESPN and not having like Purdue at noon. Oh, that's good on a Saturday. That'll be weird.
0: It'll be it'll be on noon on BTN.
2: Okay, fair. Okay, it'll be it'll be somewhere, but like just the traditional like noon Big Ten game might feel different or at least look. be somewhere different. Um, so yeah, Aiden O'Connell is a great one because Purdue throws the ball all over the place. They always say they want to run the ball and have more balance and then they never do. So, uh, excited for that. They, they also always have receivers or playmakers that break out. So David Bell's gone. Um, George Karloftis is gone, but they're always fun. I, I like Purdue. I've always liked Purdue. Um, I love Jackson Smith and and Jigba. Like, I just think he's going to be a stud we were trying, I was trying to come up with like a bold prediction. Um, and like the only one I could really think of was that like a non quarterback wins the Heisman. So he's like one of the guys that I'm like, what if, what if like an Ohio state receiver on the heels of having insane Ohio state receivers every single year just is so good that we decide that it's more on the receiver than the quarterback maybe for once. So Uh, yeah. So he, you know, really excited to watch him. I think, and again, I hate to say another quarterback, but like JJ McCarthy at Michigan, how much do we see him? What do do we see him? Right? Like it's fascinating in this era and the way that quarterbacks move around when they are not the starter that he is still at Michigan and he was used in different packages, but like they actually had quarterback depth because they had a five-star quarterback coming off the bench. Um, so, so how did they do that? What does that look like? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, basically, um, you know, Jack Campbell, anyone, you know, there's going to be some some studs defensively throughout the league a, as well. So really just a lot of people that I'm looking to take a step forward. I, I'm very interested, again, to see Casey Thompson and, and what he's what he does at Nebraska. That could be, end up being one of the most important transfers in the whole country. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's just a mix, a little sprinkle of everything, but you know, definitely just really excited to see the Ohio state offense, because again, I'm an Ohio state Homer, uh, Buckeye myself. So, um,
0: and, 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 and as a son of, of Michigan, Um, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I, I feel like they're not getting the respect that they deserve here as the defending champions.
2: Exactly. I feel like you're going to leave this podcast and be like, what just happened? Yeah. I could have
0: sworn Matt was from Columbus. (laughs) No. No. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm uh, trying on a new bit, right? You know, the, the Michigan guy, Nicole, thank you so much for taking some time here to chat with us. Of course, uh, our, our, our listeners and our readers can find you on the athletic. They can find you on Sirius XM and you're going to be on BTN uh, again this fall, right?
2: Yes, I am. Um, And I'm also going to be there on Saturday mornings as part of their pregame show um, and do some studio stuff. But I also wanted to mention before we go, I saw Matt at Big Ten Volleyball Media Days. So if anyone's listening, volleyball media days were awesome. They were. Everyone should do that. I loved the volleyball players. They were also fascinating and eloquent and awesome and excited to be there. And it was really rejuvenating. This is something Matt and I have talked about, but it was so nice to be somewhere and just be so impressed and, and just excited about the future of the sport, like that it was growing. It was taking off. People weren't worried about a million things. People didn't complain about the transfer portal or NIL. They looked at it as opportunities and it was just, it was delightful. I, I hope that anyone listening who works at any level of division one or whatever division thinks about opportunities like that for a spotlight on sports that are not football or basketball because it was just a true delight. And honestly, two of my favorite days of this entire off season, which has been bananas overall, uh, just, I, I loved it. So I hope that more people, especially that sport, I just think it is prime to take off just like softball. And I I hope that those athletes get more of a spotlight because they deserve it. And they were awesome in it.
0: They, I, I, I. It's it's funny. I was literally talking to one of those athletes at Iowa like earlier this week. Um, like you know, following up after some of those conversations, and I, I a lot of the people I've talked to since then, like, listen, we we gotta find a way to get like Leah Johnson on TV.
2: Oh, I Michigan State's
0: coach She's is listening.
2: is. I'm also Spartan. Did yeah. you know that I'm also <laughs> obsessed with Michigan State's women's volleyball coach? Uh, the Iowa players might have been the most engaging of all, and. That's saying something because Michigan States were amazing. Rutgers were amazing. I mean, there were just, there was so much personality in, in the coaches and the players. It was, it was truly awesome. And again, I'm glad that we were both there and we were both excited about it leading in. I think we had high expectations, but it far surpassed it. It was just, it was, it was a great, great two days way better than football media days i don't even feel bad about saying that
0: no i know i i i i we could i think we could both definitely agree on this it's fun to talk to people that want to be there and it is so rare that i ever spend a lot of time around athletes college athletes and come away thinking like well that sucked I do feel that way sometimes talking to ADs and talking to suits. And, and some of that's because they have to give me the same answers. Like we're you know, we're just concerned that there's a lack of guardrails right now in this industry. Like, okay, who the fuck cares? I mean, you say the same thing every single time.
2: Though, those were the worst weeks of the offseason back in, what was it, April and May when everyone was so worried about NIL and collectives and just complaining constantly. And it just like kept getting ratcheted up and up and up. This was the opposite. Of this that. is
0: the same it, exactly. It's 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 it, if you're going to complain, like at least complain about something new and novel or complain about it in a different way. Almost no complaints. And 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 people who are who are who are interesting. That is a, a a core thesis of extra points. Um thank you so much Nicole. I'm sure we'll catch up with you again very soon.
2: Absolutely. And uh I guess uh oh, am I supposed to say that before I depart?
0: Uh, yeah, that is that yeah. And I say go blue? Is it the team? Yeah.
2: yeah. Brian, Brian's just like laughing in his head at us. He's like, they think this is so funny, but yeah. it, you know, it is. It
1: is. Yeah. I, I know we got to wait a couple of years before my alma mater can, can get into this big 10, uh, back and forth. But, uh, I, I'm just going to sit here and, and laugh at you guys, but, uh, we, we, we can move on from there. But. Okay.
2: Brian, Brian, you can adopt Rutgers in the meantime. It's, are you Ra. rah. rah.
1: I'll, I'll I'll learn that I will I will make sure that uh, Shiano and all those uh, get give me fully up to speed. Okay, so th-
0: this is embarrassing. I don't think I know the UC the USC cheer or like what is it that when one Trojan finds another Trojan like on the street what do they say? Is it just bleep UCLA? Fight on. It's just fight on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I know. Yeah,
1: UCLA Uh, UCLA eight clap. uh, I feel like you know fans will get fans will get used to these new traditions in the Big Ten as they get uh, some exposure. And hey, you know where else? In in a couple of years, will will Rutgers will finally be able to make that trip out to the Rose Bowl, and uh you know they'll they'll enjoy it. You know, like there's no other way to get out there to LA. When they make
2: the Rose Bowl in the end of this season, you guys can just come back and play this audio right now where they are on their trip to the Rose Bowl. But no, I think it's fight on in the same way that like it's we are Penn State. Like I think that those are like. You can say it with a lot more enthusiasm than I'm saying it right now, and it means a lot.
0: No, I mean, Brian, you I think you are literally the only USC graduate I
1: know in real life. Um. And and I I never attended a game as a, as a student either, so I, I was always working. So I mean I, f- I feel like it's it's I, I can't I don't even really count uh, as i as I'm sure along, if but. I
0: if I move, I'll, I'll find lots of other ones, but they they don't tend to live in my neighborhood. All right, Nicole, we got to get you out of here. We uh, Brian and I got to go shill for home field here real quick. Um, thank you, and we'll we'll catch up with you soon. All
2: right, thanks, Connor. Thanks, home field, and thank you guys for having me.
0: Um. It was a great conversation. Um, like we just said, we do want to quickly shill for our good friends at Home Field, uh, are the sponsor of this program, uh, people that we would feel very fondly towards even if they weren't paying us and we weren't contractually obligated to list their stuff all over our banners because we really like Homefield. I'm wearing a Home Field shirt right now. They made the original Extra Point shirts. You can't buy these anymore. This one's a collector's item, but they do make the Extra Point shirts that you can buy. And more importantly, They make a ton of officially licensed collegiate apparel with uh, interesting and funny and unique retro vintage designs. You have just about everybody in the Power 5, but I think more importantly, you have a bunch of stuff from the G5, from the 1AAA, Division 2, Division 3. Um, Just earlier today when I went for a jog, I was wearing a Slippery Rock shirt. Have I been to Slippery Rock? No. Do I know where Slippery Rock is? Only kinda. But uh, it's still a great shirt because that's a rock and a fur coat. And I'm guessing if you're listening this far in this podcast, you could benefit from a rock and a fur coat shirt as well.
1: Right. I, absolutely. I was. I was actually uh, about to wear uh, my my own Slippery Rock uh, home field apparel shirt uh, as, as well uh, after I get out of these uh, the, these threads right here that I had uh, as part of an earlier video on, on Collegiate Sports Connect. But uh, you know, really big big week for home field in terms of the the Big Ten. I, I think uh, they got Penn State coming up, some others you know in the in the conference as well. So I think it's it's going to be a very interesting time for for a lot of Big Ten fans because they're going to have some fresh threads to wear for the uh, upcoming twenty twenty two season because there are some excellent designs coming their way on home field, and, and they can even get a discount uh, off those, those full, full prices as well.
0: That's right. Use promo code Extra Points to save 15% off that order, particularly if you're going to buy some stuff supporting a Big Ten institution. Most of those dropped last year, but Nebraska is part of this big new season. Uh, Northwestern, uh, I bought stuff to support both of those. This coming week is Penn State. Uh, the coming week after that is, uh, who knows? Uh, who knows? But but probably somebody who's a big deal and you should spend some money on that one too. Um, that is at homefieldapparel.com. And you can, of course, shoot me an email at matt at extrapointsmb.com if you want me to put you in touch with the homefield team as we've had several institutions do over the past couple of months. Or if you'd like Brian and I to shill your thing instead of just shilling for homefield. We've done this for uh, other products and we would be happy to do it for you as well Provided we like that thing, which probably will. Brian and I like most things. Um, We like doing these podcasts. We like talking to people who cover the sport. We like talking to uh, and and learning about other things. We're going to continue this conference preview uh, series over the next couple of days. We've still got SEC. We've still got the Pac-12. Might try to dig into some FCS uh, and everything here before we get into the, the real teeth of everything. But we appreciate your listenership. Uh, Real quick, before I forget to plug everything, you can follow the show everywhere you get podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, uh, taking three seconds out of your day to give it five stars and say something nice about us helps us immeasurably. It's how we other people find this stuff if they're not part of Extra Points. Speaking of which, you should subscribe to Extra Points if you haven't already. It's free to at least get part of it the extrapointsmb.com. That's four to five newsletters with original reporting, unique analysis perspectives, and all of the off-the-field stuff that we didn't talk about on this podcast, but we usually talk about on this podcast. You can see all the stuff that Brian is doing and, and some stuff that I do, but uh, a lot of Brian and uh, many of our other colleagues across D1 Ticker at Collegiate Sports Connect, which is also free. Full of unique interviews with industry thought leaders and experts about everything that goes into how making the college athletics machine work. Um, And you should also subscribe to D1 Ticker, which is free and is the premier clipping service for anything college sports related. It comes twice a weekday. I got everything,
1: right? I, I think that's it. And if you are looking for some uh, additional discussion, uh, I'm sure we'll get to it down the road when, when things get actually official. But uh, a lot of media discussion right now about the, those Big Ten media rights. We, we have some experts on uh, Collegiate Sports Connect, some videos on that, uh, the state of the ACC, uh, a lot going on in terms of NIL still. Uh, so a, a lot of experts uh, you know throughout the college space uh, uh, getting their thoughts on, on the industry at large. And uh, a lot, lot more to come here on, on Going For Two as well as we uh, get into the rest of these conference previews, which it's it's a fun time of year because it's it's right around the corner. We we see the camps are already open. We're seeing the photos coming through that uh, you know guys are guys are actually catching football and putting pads on, and uh, I, I can't wait because uh, college football it, it is right around the corner.
0: It it is it is. And fi- last 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 thing, uh, we were recording this here on the 11th. If you didn't check extra points on the Monday of uh, Friday the 12th, you should because we have a really cool announcement, particularly if you're involved in higher education. All right, I think that's it for now, everyone. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us. We'll catch up with you again very soon.